Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Football Fanalytics Podcast in association with 23. This is the show that explores the ever-growing world of football analytics and takes on the many tactical and topical discussions within the game. It's episode 62 and we are talking about the gaffers this week. My name is Ryan Bailey and I'm joined by the gaffer of this podcast. Uh, It's Mark Carey. Mark, how are you doing? Uh, I'm not the gaffer of this podcast. We are joint managers. I've said it before, we are the Gerard Houllier and Roy Evans of 1997 in the Liverpool dugout, we are joint managers, and that's the only way I'd have it, Ryan. But wasn't that a massive failure in terms of a managerial uh, <laughs> collaboration? Didn't they do really badly? It ended in tears. Yeah, that's a good point. You do make a very good point. But the point is, Ryan, we're a joint. We're a joint force. We Has are collaborators. Has there ever been any other joint manager partnerships? I don't really remember them. I think there's been a few. There was uh, one in Salford uh, not so long ago. I forget their names. Um, listeners can remind me. But the Neville um, brothers, <laughs> the Neville brothers, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I I am a joint gaffer. We are in this together, Ryan. Um, all right. But no, I'm all good. Happy happy return of domestic men's football. Um, yes, that's always fun. We've had uh, obviously spoke about it before in terms of the the women's Euros and how great that was, and then we spoke about obviously FPL pre season. Now we're into it. We're two weeks into it. Um, of the Premier League at least and other leagues starting all over Europe Um, we're back to it how excited have you been yeah massively I mean I guess aside from the fact it hasn't been a happy return for one Liverpool fan on this podcast and a guilty Manchester United fan on this podcast Mm. um, I think lots of other people have got reason to be happy haven't they I mean there hasn't been a lack of excitement has there uh, from the very off which has been good no plenty to plenty to unpick already I'm quite glad to see that I think all three of the promoted sides have got... They've at least got points on the board. I'm trying to think whether mm. all three have won. I think they all have, yes. Um, so that's always good to see as well. It's always good to see the the new tactical styles of the the new uh, the promoted side. So that's really interesting to see. I mean, it's too early to tell in terms of the table, of course. But just to see different patterns of new managers, new styles, um, that's clear to see already. Or lack of new style, if we are talking about Manchester yeah. United. But... We can uh, maybe talk about that another time. I think already we know that that's going to be worthy of a whole episode in itself. The uh, the early weeks and months of, of the Eric Ten Hag era, I think fans would absolutely love that. Well, we probably ought to do that at some point soon because he probably won't have long left, really, will he? <laughs> uh, probably ought to be within the next few weeks, uh, just in case. Um, I mean, he's obviously a prime example of a new manager on the scene. Um, is there any other new managers in the in the Premier League that aren't from the promoted sides? don't think there are other none that come to mind right now but I think a few came in in the the January or midway through last season as well so they're still you know stamping your mark on the on the team and the whole cliche of having a full pre-season with the side and all that caper so yeah. still plenty to unpick isn't there 
There absolutely is. I mean, we're going to get into managers pretty straight away, but in terms of new managers who uh, came up from the championship, I was very impressed with Steve Cooper when I watched the Nottingham Forest game the other day. Um, A, because it was a great game to watch uh, against West Ham. But what I really enjoyed about Steve Cooper was at the very end, <laughs> the the camera operator took one of those floating Steadicam things to try and get the pre-match reaction and he basically went get out the way it's not finished which really made me laugh so that was a manager highlight so far good to see scott parker again uh in the premier league fashionista scott parker you mean fashionista scott parker i read somewhere that the top he was wearing was worth over 900 pounds stop it for for a football manager wearing a cardigan you could get a left back on loan for that much well yeah but also let's let's have it right like with the heat over the weekend and he's wearing a 900 pound cardigan i wonder if it's got like inbuilt aircon or something um <laughs> within it we, we we don't know um and then obviously the manager highlight of the weekend uh was mr conte versus mr tuchel hmm. tuchel do you say tuchel tu- is it tuchel tuchel bit of a soft tuchel um yeah yeah okay. i mean that was that was quite something i only realized after the handshake that the reason that he held it on was that he wanted eye contact uh tom Sukal wanted eye contact from conte when when he yeah. was making the handshake which was <laughs> interesting to see i mean you love it don't you? it's box office stuff like it's it's fun to see the the game itself was i mean the end of it obviously with harry kane scoring was was quite something but uh just a bit of drama as well can never be a bad thing maybe it was the heat that they were all a little bit stressed a little bit hot and bothered flustered a bit flustered but uh it was fun to see wasn't it no no harm done yeah i thought when when tuchel was like making the um the gesture with his two fingers pointing at the eyes i was thinking he was basically going like you me outside after yeah. the game but he was actually going just look at me yeah he's actually quite respectful. look at me yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed the, the post-match afterwards. Still a bit frosty, but then they've both done interviews and they were both giggling about it. So that was very funny. Yeah. Um, in terms of a tactical battle, obviously a great one as well. But I guess we shouldn't spoil it all in the intro, Mark, should we really? We've sort of just teed up managers um, and that's what this episode is going to be all about. So should we should we get on with it? Yeah, man, you've, you've spiked it up. It's like volleyball. You've absolutely spiked it up for us to just slide yeah. it now. So uh, no better time to, to crack on, man. Okay, so Managerlytics, Mark. Obviously, (laughs) enjoy the pun, as always. We've done Penalytics before. Anything with Lytics in, we try. Um, Managers is something we've wanted to discuss for a while. We did delve, we dipped our toe in um, a little while back, didn't we? In fact, that's a long while back in episode five. Yeah, we talked about the, the manager bounce, but that was more specifically focused on new managers coming in and the performance of teams and whether that's a real thing or not. Um, in terms of that spike in form. So it feels to me like this topic is sort of up there with the most opinion-based things we might talk about in in terms of the fact that most people have an opinion on managers. Everyone in the pub has an opinion. Everyone after a game has an opinion on their team's manager, etc. Whether their manager is decent, etc. But what is it always based on? Because often... I might go, oh, no, they're, they're not a good manager. But do I know if they're actually a good manager based on all the many factors? You know, so what in this episode, we're going to try and talk about what we can base that question on. Mm. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's really hard to, I mean, for reasons that we'll go into, it's quite hard to really quantify the impact of a manager with, with data um, over and above what is just simply team performance, which it's hard to, I think, disentangle how much of that is attributed to 
the manager and their their tactics, their setup, etc., which again we'll come on to, and how much that is just down to having better players. So, you know, if you've got players of higher value, how much is it that the manager is making them even better, which is why they're winning, and how much is it just that if you or I were to be on the sidelines and said, you know, if you just put yourselves into a half decent formation, go out and try and win the game, what would be the overarching difference across the course of a season? Now, I'm taking that to the extreme, but you you get the point I'm making. Um, I also think there's so many kind of unquantifiables for a manager where obviously they're having to do so many, I mean, social media things now as much as anything, but things like press conferences, things like the fact that they are the the spokesperson, they are the face of of the club primarily, of how much charisma they have, all those different things as well, which count for so much that you could be a really good tactician, but you might not necessarily have the personality. Therefore, by the fans, you might not necessarily be liked as much. Do you, do you know what I mean? Before we even go into the the more of the stylistic, the tactical, the data side of it, I think that what sometimes can be deemed a, a good, bad manager, an interesting manager or not an interesting manager can also be just simply the social element in the charisma, especially in the modern day. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. I, I actually, funnily enough, when when thinking about this episode, hadn't even thought about the fact that likability is a factor within uh, people's opinions with the manager because, um, yeah, we've all got our favourite managers who we love to watch and hear talk and there are some cult icon managers in terms of someone like Neil Warnock or Ian Holloway who are just mm. the most, like, funny characters going. So that's a really interesting one. We can come back to that, actually. Um, on your first point... Funnily enough, that always used to be the age-old question, didn't it? Well, there was two parts of the age-old question, one of which was, if I managed this Man City team, I could win the league. That's one thing that... uh, I'm not saying I'd think that, but as in that used to be just something, a phrase that I'd heard. But then also, what would happen if you put Pep Guardiola in charge of, like, Stoke? A few years back, that was one that I used to hear a lot. Like, you know, he just wouldn't have the same results, obviously, because it's Stoke. And a manager like Guardiola obviously has had the best teams in the world, has only ever managed the best teams in the world um, with big budgets where he can spend money, etc., etc., would Sam Allardyce have had success with Manchester City? I'm not, I, Obviously not to the same way Guardiola has, but it's a really interesting starting point, isn't it? And many, many different opinions off that. Yeah, and I think that's the key point that you, you touch upon where it's how much of an influence has Pep Guardiola had or managers who are deemed to be world-class managers, how much influence do they have over and above what you would expect from that team. And this is the thing that's so hard to, as I say, disentangle, where maybe if, yeah, let's say a Sam Allardyce were to manage Manchester City, uh, you know, a few seasons ago, would they have maybe won the league or been there or thereabouts? Probably, yes. But then Pep Guardiola goes and gets 100 points. So it's the manner in which you, you know, manage. And I think I I saw an interview um, or read an interview with Sergio Aguero about Pep Guardiola and he said that you know he makes the even the world class even the best better so it's something which he he has that that skill of doing which is over and above the talent that they already have which is what I mentioned before he still manages to to get you know individual quality out of them and obviously as a team has the tactical principles in place to to allow them to do that as well so um, that's where you you get your your edges with as a manager Um, and we can come on to the specifics as I say formation and things like that um, but it's really, really hard to quantify. I mean, how do you quantify it? When when you're talking about things at the, the team level or even the player level, we've got all the metrics that we've spoken about a lot on this podcast, but how do you really know what 
you know, other than maybe substitutions per 90, the things that the manager can actually control there in that game, how do you know exactly what it is that they've done or not done? Well, it's a good question. Let me read out something from Sky Sports, which I think was the <laughs> season before last um, when Ryan Mason, do you remember this? You probably know what's coming. The, you remember when Ryan Mason was in charge of Tottenham? And I think then I they knew had, coming here. Go and on. then there was a graphic that came up, yeah. the Sky Sports problem. Sky Sports, by the way, who do Monday Night Football, which is one of the best analytical shows on TV. <laughs> they put up a graphic <laughs> that literally said the words, Ryan Mason, <laughs> and it was like, games, including today, two. <laughs> Wins, one. Major trophies, zero. <laughs> And then it said right next to him, because they were playing Man City, it said Pep, Guardiola, games, including today, 694. <laughs> Wins, 517. Major trophies, 24. And it was like all the, the, the sort of the meme reaction to that was absolutely fantastic because who thought that was a good comparison in terms of, you know, putting, putting those next to each other? But technically, Ryan Mason got a 50% win percentage, which I'm guessing is higher than lots of managers in, in history. So... What does it come down to? Sample size. Sample size and context is key. All the above, all of the uh, the buzzwords. But no, I think that's as funny as that is. That is a, an interesting one. I think that's where, again, if you were to look at a manager's win percentage, that's not, uh, this one is a very extreme case, but that's not a reliable method either, I think, because you could have a Pep Guardiola or lesser regarded managers who have managed big clubs and the expectation is that they are going to win more games and they're not versus yeah someone who's punching above their weight maybe go back to the likes of Stoke City Tony Pulis as a manager probably overperformed for the quality of the side that he had and you look at someone maybe like Graham Potter now in in the Premier League obviously with Brighton that given the and and Thomas Frank people like that for Brentford that given the budget um, and the facilities etc that they have in comparison to those top teams look how much of a an edge they're getting but if you were to look at their win percentage it would be fairly modest of course it's the yeah it's the nature of it but that's maybe another way that you can uh, disentangle it and there's I mean I'm going into analytics straight away now but I think that there's other things as well that you could look at so it's something I've done through the athletic um and I think we've spoken about before on um on this podcast is maybe look at things like uh, a club's elo rating so there's a website called club elo and put simply it basically um, gives a, an overall rating or a ranking of a team uh, basically after every single game. And I won't go into the specifics, yeah. but you can basically look to see what the, the ranking of a team is when the, the managers come in and when they left. So it's always going to be relative to, you know, you could where you start is irrelevant yeah. compared to where you end. So if you're going on... You're still upwards, comparing it to the same team, basically. Yeah, you're comparing rather, within yeah. rather than between, which I think is a really valuable way to say that for all of the clubs that this manager has managed um he's always he or she has always taken that club to a to a higher level so yeah always comparing within rather than between so that is maybe already thinking of an analytics perspective a way that you could try and um look to see how good a manager is over and above win percentage yeah i guess that's a really good starting point and way to look at it i guess what that doesn't take into account which i which which we know is the different context and factors around real life a little bit doesn't it and certain factors at play etc oh completely um team situations and everything um yeah but that that is really interesting i guess the final thing on that is that i i would be really interested if someone had had really good performances with lower ranked teams and had always improved them based on 
that ELO rating way of looking at it, but then took a step up to a higher team where the um, where the expectations are bigger and the players are better, etc. And then are they able to improve them in the same way? So I think there are, there are examples, aren't there, of when if we if we think of managers in different tiers and Guardiola and Klopp are obviously the top in in our league. Um, if Graham Potter were to step up because the fantastic work he's done at Brighton, do you think he would have the same results dealing with big personalities and uh, you know better players? Basically, do, mm. do you think that's always always that's always something as well you have to think about, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's an interesting one, and you've seen it with with managers like uh, Mauricio Pochettino. Obviously, he was I think he was at Espanyol, then he came to Southampton, and then that was a step up to then go to Tottenham and. Obviously, since gone on to uh, be manager of PSG, no longer, of course. But um, yeah, it's hard to always tell whether manager, a lot like a player, will make the step up. And I think another wider point is, again, just thinking about win percentage. From the fans' perspective of judging a manager, would you rather them win and maybe win ugly, maybe win via... Route one football, thinking about unfortunately your Sam Allardyce's, Tony Pulis, and yeah. Sean Dyche, and it's it's maybe a bit agricultural, it's pragmatic, but you more likely to win, maybe not see as much of the ball versus the style and the approach from a Graham Potter, where again you might not win mm. all the games, but you at least get to see entertaining football. Uh, you know, from the fans' perspective, can you forgive losing a few games or losing more games than you might win, but at least the approach is different and that's where again you see the style from the manager the the fingerprints that they have over their team the way that they set their team up systems of play um, approach in possession out of possession those sorts of things that you can really start to see over a longer period of time you know talking about months years rather than the Eric Ten Hag era that we've got at the moment um, you know really start to see the principles of play and if those are entertaining as well could fans maybe be a bit more forgiving when the results maybe don't go that way, if that makes sense? Absolutely. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because in the certainly at the moment and probably for the last few years, the emphasis on style of play and systems and sort of just culture and ethos, it's almost like every manager has to be in a in a box, don't they, these days, in terms of categorised, in terms of what they do, how they like to play, what mm. they want their teams to look like, etc. Whereas, I don't know about you, but I don't remember 10 years ago, or maybe I just paid less attention then, but 10 years ago, was that such a big deal in terms of, you know, when you had more people like Ancelotti and, I know he just won the Champions League, that's a silly thing to say, but, but Ancelotti and Mourinho in the Premier League, the, the sort of merry-go-round of managers who who always got the same sort of style jobs like your yeah, Alan Pardews and uh, Mark Hughes and managers like that. Mm. I don't remember ever thinking like, oh, Mark Hughes is a, he's a this type of manager. It always felt like it was just uh, this manager knows that how to get their best out of their players and organise as well, etc. You know, I, I, could, I know you had defensive coaches and stuff like that in terms of Mourinho, but do, do you feel like that's been an absolute evolution in terms of the last five years or so? Uh, yeah, interesting question. I, I don't know whether, again, it's been something that's been more documented as much as maybe we've had a greater awareness of it because, as we've mentioned, this is why we do this podcast, systems of play and tactical styles have been a thing for for decades and decades. So it's not necessarily that it's just that, but I think it it is more now that any manager who comes into to any league or any well-known league, that they do have to come with a kind of a dossier of this is how I like my teams to play. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I think that, yeah, it, it kind of is 
maybe more the case um, because you do have managers who are I think it's more that's more of a sort of a proactive approach where you know what the the Guardiola style is you know what the the Sean Dyche style is you know what the Graham Potter style is you know Jurgen Klopp mm. Jesse Marsh more recently is uh, so much has been spoken about the the Jesse Marsh style and Ralph Ranick you know yeah. when he came into Manchester United but I think it's uh, maybe dying out or maybe it's a le- little less popular that managers are more reactive and you know you can certainly win games by being reactive to what the opposition does so if it's quite clear how I mean we saw it on on Monday right so it's quite clear how Liverpool were going to set up a 4-3-3 they're never really going to change from that they rarely have under Jurgen Klopp now Patrick Vieira set up in a with a five at the back which I think was only the third time that he's done that um, since he's joined Crystal Palace that's reacting to the way that Liverpool play and you know how they yeah. like to get players into the half space and attack with a front five because of the wing backs pushing up you know Crystal Palace had to react to that and they stifled Liverpool and they went and got a goal on the counter-attack and they obviously got nicked a point as a result so there's nothing wrong with doing that it's some people no. might think that that is not the greatest thing but you have to sometimes react to the opposition because if you're proactive approach doesn't always work you need to adapt and I know that a lot of clubs and even the best will react to to have different approaches and different systems but do you get do you get what I mean in terms of you don't necessarily have to have a system of play but you can respond to the opposition and maximize your strengths and expose the opposition's weaknesses yeah because it almost feels like there's a a lot of the managers these days will, will have their way of playing and that's how they stick to it and regardless of what's happening in the game sometimes managers will just sort of will stick to what they know anyway and mm. and and we'll get the result it's interesting i mean the chat about serena Wiegmann at, um in terms of managing the lionesses at the tournament a lot of the positive uh sort of reaction that she got and um things things she did well w- was tweaking things mid-game and mm. man managing the games perfectly isn't it so i wonder how much of a not a dying art obviously because everyone manages within the game but i wonder how how important making the right decisions, tweaking things mid-game, well-timed substitutions, the right substitutions, etc. I wonder how important that is now with play- with managers just sticking to what they know, as as maybe it was twenty years ago. I bet you know Ferguson, etc., was probably a genius at making the right decisions at the right time, and it, it all about in-game stuff. But um, yeah, I just wonder how much how much of a balance that shifted. Yeah, no, that that is an interesting one. I think that the Serena Wiegmann example is a, a good one because that is an example where a lot was made of, well, the tactical decisions, yes, but but the things which you can see are clear, um, again, the fingerprint of the squad rotation or starting 11 rotation or lack thereof because obviously England had the same starting 11 across the whole mm. tournament and benefited as a consequence. Their use of substitutions, as you say, how many substitutions they make and at what point they make them. There's only a certain element of things that you can do within the game that you can control as a manager, and obviously substitutions is one of them. Between games, obviously, you have all that time on the training ground, but you've still got to pick a team to go out there and execute that. So um, those sorts of things, you can start to see a bit of the the style as well. And across the course of a domestic season, you can see, especially now that we have the five substitutions, um, well, across all top five European leagues now, the Premier League has joined everyone else, that you start to see, okay, well, is maybe a Pep Guardiola going to use all five substitutions in one go? Do it? I think you can only do it a maximum of three times, or do you know a two, a two, and another one? Or what? You know, what is their approach? Do they like to change things early on? Do they like to change things late and try and see whether the the starting eleven can continue the way they are? And 
it's those are the things which you start to find interesting within the game aside from yeah. the general tactical approach and philosophy we've not even said philosophy this whole episode you've got to talk yeah, about really manager's bad. philosophy haven't you oh what did we you said the word dossier and we haven't even said philosophy <laughs> wow blimey we need to look take a long hard look at ourselves and have a have a pep talk on that one um has anyone ever looked into what like average minute managers make substitutions on and stuff like that i mean i don't know how much that tells you and stuff i'm sure but but do you know what i mean like is there a I, who was it i mean there was a time where like i swear i can't remember which manager it was but in the premier league like they were renowned for not making a change even if they're right up against it you know even in 80 minutes they still hadn't made a change is that and then some people just sort of you know get their options on early etc is there is there anything in that is, has anyone looked at that before yeah, it's something we did. Uh, I think we did it as a whole company for for the athletic. I helped with it in terms of the numbers uh, last season. I think we looked at changes to the starting eleven, so how many unchanged lineups there were. Um, and if I recall correctly, West Ham had the fewest changes to their starting eleven. Um, oh. And then we looked at the substitution, well, the substitutions per game um, and the substitution um, minute as well. And I can put a link in the bio of that piece because I thought it was. Yeah, it's worth looking at. And I did a piece recently about the um, the five substitutions and, and had a look at basically people saying that the top sides um, are, have got the advantage because they've got a higher quality player coming off the bench yeah. and things like that. So um, I basically looked into that of, is it the case that the top quality sides will just bring on like five substitutions after an hour and then just blitz the, the side because they've just still got so much energy and quality. Mm. And it was actually not the case. It was the, there was it, what was the opposite. So the top teams tended to to bring on players later on than the the not top teams, the lower teams. But that makes sense, I think, because it was essentially that you're more likely to make a change and a substitution when you're either drawing or behind. When things are going well, you're more likely to you know keep things the way they are for for the most yeah. part. You're less likely to make three changes on the hour mark. So it, it completely makes sense, but. Um, yeah, there's so many different things that you can look at from that perspective, but a few of them are on site on The Athletic. Excellent. And here's another one. Have you ever looked at, uh, in The Athletic, uh, <laughs> uh, manager success in correlation with uh, outfit choice? So in terms of like tracksuit managers, suits, <laughs> I'm obviously joking. <laughs> I knew that the minute you, you asked the question, I could see the, <laughs> the, the just... <laughs> the giggle in your voice and i knew that something funny was coming but that would be that would be a good one actually and i, I think you see, i mean it'd be interesting to see what the results were like you know because i mean managers changed their you know their, their attire you know what you know did um klopp i swear klopp used to be quite like sort of like wear chinos and stuff and now he's like a tracksuit manager through and through cap branded True. you know thing guardiola i mean who knows guardiola when he wore his scarf felt dangerous but well, you know i was going to ask you, you what would what would the categories be i think it would be smart sporty or casual is there another category in that well i think within sporty you've obviously well, uh, well i always call them tracksuit managers but yeah i guess sporty covers a wide range of stuff um because smart, pep, pep isn't a tracksuit manager he's a ca him and scott parker would be like casual fashion managers Gerard would be smart Klopp would be yeah. sporty are we just naming Spice Girls here <laughs> <laughs> we, we are at the moment yeah Lampard started going a bit sort of dad coach recently I found um, yeah you know sort of not, not particularly fashionable polos and stuff so maybe he maybe if he changes that results would pick up I don't know I, I think he'd, um, be, he'd be casual Tuchel would be sporty um, yeah 
I don't know. This is a fun game. We should, yeah. Everyone else should get involved with this. Yeah. You know, send us, send us some emails. Send us some uh, things on Twitter of, what, of your thoughts. Yeah, but but that's something you know we shouldn't forget, Mark. We can we can analyze things till the cows come home. But <laughs> it's it's the important things like manager attire that matters. Um, <laughs> but enough of my silliness for the people who are here for the hardcore analytics. I mean, you're never going to get hardcore analytics, but. We should we should have a look at what's been done in that space, shouldn't we? Let's give it a go. Mark, this is exciting. Why don't you tell the listeners about our new collaboration with Spitch? Tell them what Spitch is. Yeah, we've been wanting to share this with the listeners for some time. So Spitch is basically a live fantasy football manager app and you can pit yourself against other managers basically. And the fun thing is that you can win real money in the process. And what's great is that you can compete across multiple leagues worldwide. So rather than just the fantasy Premier League that we do, you can compete in other leagues like the German Bundesliga, the things like the Champions League and the Europa League as well. I mean, if it was like fantasy premier league then we'd win absolutely nothing but it's not like fantasy premier league because the difference is you can create a brand new lineup for each match day so basically no more selection regret when a player you've chosen is going through a bad run of form and what else is different mark well i think it's right up our street because it goes into greater depth with the analytics side which is so true to the football fanalytics podcast so it awards points for basically every action on the pitch so things like passes tackles blocks and shots everything that you can think of all count towards your match score so for the first time ever we can cheer on a pot shot from miles away exactly so make sure you sign up download the app and register now once you've registered you can join the football fanalytics podcast league so come and get involved play against me and mark uh, the link is in our bio join spitch now So, Mark, if I were putting my analytical hat on and I wanted to actually look at this in terms of the best way of uh, categorising, analysing managers' performance, etc., um, what sort of things have been done in that space before that I could go look at? Well, yeah, there's there's a few places, really. And it, I think it goes to show that, again, just how difficult it is to, to disentangle it from, you know, the team style. But, you know, we'll try our best and I'll go into it. But, um, yeah, there's a few really interesting pieces and we can we can put the link into the bio for all of them really but um starting with um smarter scout which is a um something we use quite often at the athletic and i've used this before um it's called coaching profiles and it's a okay really interesting kind of dashboard i guess this graphic to show for you know each um each manager each coach at that club um how they like to to approach the game it splits it really neatly between home and away as well which i think is interesting to for all yeah. of this you've got to look at things yeah home and away um in possession out of possession against maybe top sides um lower sides there's so much nuance to it that it's really hard to to really give a definitive answer of a manager's dna because it can obviously depend but um yeah yeah it's a really interesting um you know piece from from smarter scout they show things like the most frequent formations used um, attacking style, defending style, um, you know, things like when, when they like to make substitutions, where they like to have width on the pitch and get their fullbacks wide, um, yeah, how they recover the ball, things like that. So it's, yeah, I, again, I'll, I'll put a link into it, but it's just a really yeah. interesting breakdown um, to show the, the different approaches. But I come back to it, 
a lot of this is in a great way largely just team style so what is the the team style and of course then by by definition of having that style it is led by the manager and the coaching staff but do you know what i mean we we tend to do this actually without realizing when we look at just how a club's getting on what's their ppda all those different things Mm. it is just indicative of what a manager likes them to do so we do do this you know we have done been doing this for a long time but it's more just attributing it to the manager rather than the actual club yeah yeah but also interestingly um this is obviously called a coaching profile mark we haven't discussed the difference between a manager and a head coach a head coach yes yeah oh that's I, I bet i bet there's a list somewhere which i'm now kicking myself that i haven't googled but i bet there's a list somewhere that tells you if a manager at a club is categorized as manager or a, a head coach or what do you know what i mean like because they have different names don't they for different clubs they do yeah that's got to be another episode for us mate i think yeah. to really break it down and it's, it's it's much of a muchness isn't it and i don't know whether sometimes it's it's a bit of politics at play because i think benitez complained once i forget which club he was at it might have been newcastle where he was like i'm not the manager i'm just the head coach and said it in a press yeah. conference and it was sometimes a bit you know a bit of a dig at the owners or didn't, you know didn't arteta brothers. get made the manager not head coach wasn't arteta the head coach then now he's the manager i oh, might man, be wrong we've got to do not... another episode on this this is great. yeah it might not be arteta but i swear someone basically got almost like promoted within their same job to just a better title basically <laughs> now um, they trust them yeah, maybe one of us should be the manager and one of us should be the head coach. Maybe that's how the collaboration. Let's, let's put it uh, to co- a poll. Collaboration. Yeah, who's the manager and who's the head coach? <laughs> I mean, I can already tell you how that's going to go. No one's going to want me coaching anyone. So, well, now um, you've primed them. You're going to get the sympathy vote. Yeah, but also, I, no one's going to really want me making the decisions either. So you have to think about that, really. Anyway. Um, I'll just be the social media manager. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms, <laughs> in terms of different categories, though, as well, I mean we were saying about tracksuit managers versus smart managers, et cetera. But I heard the term about Ten Hag when he just got um, uh, appointed that they called him like a very much an on-the-grass manager. Do you know what I mean? But then that also takes me back to when, like I don't think Solskjaer, when he was in charge of Man United, um, took many sessions, did he? He left mm. it to his coaches. So again, quite an interesting one for another time maybe, but the kind of hands-on approach your decisions and your style of play etc but then you the way you actually deliver them as well is a really interesting way to think about it true and it's about having the whole coaching staff isn't it and those that you trust i think that steven gerrard doesn't tend to get too involved i think he only steps in when he sort of needs to but he leaves it to his his staff it was formerly mick beale he's now a manager at um, qpr and now he's got uh, neil critchley and who was manager at blackpool to to be more of the the coaching side and he sort of oversees the operation so there's plenty yeah. of managers who who do that sort of thing and, and trust their their staff to be more of the you know the one on the grass as you say so um again they're just more of the the spokesperson i was going to say but they're just the figurehead for the the club but there's it's a it's always going to be a team effort in terms of the actual tactical style yeah what else can we look at then so yeah, so there was the the smarter scout one, and as I say, there doesn't seem to be too much out there that I've seen. So if the listeners have any other thoughts and things that they've read, then absolutely do send it in because we're always willing to learn more. Um, and yeah, I'm not the authority on it, but there's another really interesting one that I've seen from Analytics FC, um, and they have a really cool thing called Coach ID. Um, and again, I'll put the post um, in the in the bio, but it says it's using data to scout your club's next head coach, and they have a really good again a bit of a 
the dashboard of the characteristics and the the play style of of every manager and it it splits it up really well in terms of you know their different approach of having more of a, a low block are they more likely to pay long balls are they more likely to circulate it a bit more keep the ball more counter press one of our buzzwords um yeah. and how that also differs depending on um the the team that they play the opponent that they play against the top sides do they play in a slightly different way to against the bottom sides and i think again it speaks about that nuance that we have so um there's some yeah. really cool stuff in there um the the type of styles that they have it's some of the names of this are great so you've got part of the bus you've got direct domination full control yeah bait the press wing overload and build up as well and then you can start to it's a really good way to to do it isn't it in terms of okay well we've just well, we, we're not really happy with our manager at the moment. We'd rather have someone who is going to be far more of a manager who's going to dominate. We want someone like Pep Guardiola, but not Pep Guardiola because we can't yeah. afford him. Who also plays like that? Is it, I don't know, Torino in Serie A? Okay, well, who's their manager? Yeah. And you know what I mean? It, we've done that sort of thing at the player level. You could also do that at the manager level as well. So Analytics FC have a really interesting way of doing that with the, uh, the coach ID. Well, because obviously, you know, the kind of succession plan for Guardiola and uh, Klopp etc especially people who've been there a while and have got such high results is always going to be a bit of a problem isn't it mm-hmm. because you know look at how certain teams it's so easy to keep going back to Manchester United I'm generally not doing that on purpose but you know that it's it's too obvious because you go to the fact that they've had what like five managers since Ferguson and then every single what the, the squad is a product of five different managers trying to do it their way and it's just horrendous isn't it but I guess if you scout ahead and recruit a manager who fits the same sort of ethos and philosophy, that word, mm-hmm. as to the one you've got currently and you can find the right person, well, then that's a much easier transition, isn't it, than trying to fit square pegs into round holes. Completely. And then that works at the player level as well. And it's not similarly, it's not to keep coming from Manchester United, but if they had uh, a clear system in place at the the higher level at the board level at the manager level and at the player level if there was a thread throughout then you can start to sort of forgive them for maybe not doing so well but if they don't have you know if everyone's being pulled in different directions including the manager and then the players then you can see why they're in the sort of chaos that they currently are in but things might change mm. of course but um yeah it's a really interesting one and i mean the, the final one in terms of the the things that i've seen uh, online are from uh, 21st group and i think they're formally known as 21st club but um a really interesting piece um on the athletic actually which isn't just me keep promoting it. do you work for the athletic no but honestly this isn't this isn't <laughs> just me but it's a really strong piece that i thought was was useful it was essentially looking this is a couple of years ago now but it was looking at um maybe alternatives for pep guardiola when the time comes sort of what you're speaking about before um and they use mm. a really good thing looking at um team quality they have a, a rating system called world super league and it basically gives a every every club that they can you know get their hands on um an overall rating relative to each other and you can start to see who are the strongest clubs and how that changes over time a bit like that elo rating that i mentioned which is really interesting yeah um and you can yeah break it down in, in all different ways and again i'll put a link in the um the bio but it shows you know they can break it down to things like team style of course how similar it is to maybe the one that you the the designated manager that you want to compare to so in this case pep guardiola um the average tenure of a manager i think that's a really interesting one isn't oh it? Because yeah if you are just we someone who's gonna come for six months maybe a sam allardyce do a bit of firefighting and then do one 
um, then it's a bit different from someone who's more of a project manager who likes to you know have three to four years before they can actually see the fruits of their labor i think that's a really interesting one Um, how much youth you use how much are you more likely to bring you know players through from the academy or by young what's the average age of the squad just you know i think jose Mourinho likes to have full of you know teams full of experience um or players full of experience i should say you know a, a big physical uh, imposing side versus you know other people who like small technicians who are maybe um younger as well so i think that's a really interesting one um yeah so that in terms of the fit and then obviously the quality and the impact over and above the team style that the um the manager has and an overall team quality that they've improved upon so 21st group uh, formerly 21st club have a really interesting model um to be able to to look at that as well so those three are the main ones for me that i've that i've found but as i say to the listeners if they know of any others then absolutely do send them in please this needs a part two doesn't it because there's so many different branches of this tree uh, to talk about um don't know why i used a tree analogy <laughs> um but for instance like we haven't even talked about team talks like you know the halftime team talk or we should but, definitely you know, do another episode on this because there's so yeah, much to I pick think we should. not from an analytics perspective but just from a all the things we spoke about the nuance of uh, yeah. the, the manager approach not even spoken about the gone into detail about the press conferences and that charisma that yeah exactly at the start. this feels like it definitely needs a part two and it also feels like we need to ask uh, the listeners to send in different things about managers we haven't even thought of mm. and what they'd like to hear us talk about in part two because there's definitely legs in this mm-hmm. let me leave you with a final thought on team talks have you watched the uh, Arsenal all or nothing I have one episode in oh Oh, I don't want to spoil anything then. It's not a spoiler. <laughs> there's basically, there's a fantastic moment where um, Arteta, who actually I found quite impressive in the documentary and I wasn't sure I was going to, um, but he draws what I hope you'd think would be a really um, amazing tactical diagram or something at halftime in one of the best teams in the country, team talk. And I think he draws like a a brain and a heart holding hands. And it's basically just like passion, connect, connect your thoughts, connect your passion, etc. Wow. And I was just thinking, like, some. I just, I just wish I knew what went on at halftime all the time because I bet there's some absolute gems and funny things that you th- you think would be way more sophisticated than they are. Yeah. It might not be the holding hands, but there's a diagram of it somewhere. When you get there, let me know if I was right. But it's pretty much to that effect. Well, it's you're dealing with people at the end of the day. For all that speaking about managers and their style, to get the best out of the the players. At any level, yeah. you've got to treat them like humans, and it's whatever you can to evoke enough of a response to obviously get them to do what you want on the pitch. And sometimes it's shouting and bawling, sometimes it's being <laughs> creative and drawing. Apparently, yeah. Well, that's right. Is it? A, is it? A sh- are you a shouting sort of manager, or a, or a calm, or you know, sort of brooding? Say, say less manager, and they know you're annoyed. Yeah. There's so much to it. Part two. Part All two. Right, let's let's park it there, and then we'll um, and then we'll go for part two. Um, that was great. Thanks very much, Mark. Loved it. And, uh, and thank you to you, the listeners, for listening. Um, like we say, get in touch, especially on a, on a part two Managerlytics, but get in touch anyway. Uh, we like to hear from you. We like to hear your ideas. We like to hear your questions. Uh, I'm sure we'll visit some questions in the next couple of episodes. Um, so please do get in touch, and you know where to do that. We are on an email. We are fanalytics.pod at gmail.com, and we're also on social media. 
uh, at Fanalytics Pod is the handle to search for. I've no idea what's coming up next week, but um, I mean the speed of which the it'll be good. Football is moving. It'll be whatever it'll be. It'll be good fun. So um, yeah, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.